The NFL draft may be over, but the Ringer NFL show isn't going anywhere. On Mondays, join Kevin and Nora as they look ahead to the 2021 season. And on Wednesdays, check out Flying Coach Season 2 with NFL Network's Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay. The two longtime friends are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world to discuss the latest NFL news, tell stories from their careers, and break down the game from their unique perspectives. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, <laughs> Kevin o What up? As we record this on a late Thursday night following Game 3 of the Clippers versus the Phoenix Suns, which saw the Clippers, uh, you know, at least get their first home game uh, with a pretty good win, a 14-point win, 106-92 to against Phoenix. We at least are able to do this podcast literally an hour earlier than we recorded the last one after the Phoenix LA game because <laughs> we did not have, there was no need for extensive reviews at the end of the game, even though I did kind of panic when the... Uh, when the whole Crowder Paul George thing happens next to the sideline, and I'm like, "Oh no, please don't, please don't take 20 minutes to sort this out." Um, this was a really good win for the Clippers, and this was a little scary, I thought, for the Phoenix Suns in only this way. You know, there was the one mic'd up moment, which I thought was very, very good, with Monty Williams, and he's yelling at his team. This is the playoffs. They can't be the more desperate team. They are the more desperate team. And, you know, he's trying to get through to his guys, but I really felt that way the entire night. I know that psychologically one team has their back against the wall and the other team doesn't. One team is getting back at home. But it was all night pretty clearly the Clippers playing with a lot more desperation, a lot more fight in this game. And just to wit, 
all those, all the big numbers that you would expect to go along with that, they busted them on the boards. They had more steals. They had more blocks. They had been getting shredded in points in the paint in the series so far. They're pretty even on points in the paint tonight. Like all the all the hustle stuff, all the stuff that comes along with. And Booker did not look right at all. And Paul didn't look right at all. And yeah. that's the only thing to me that makes me think maybe this this could be more than just your typical first team got the first two. You know, if, you, if you're going to win a game, you're going to win game three at home. And Chris, not only that, Cameron Payne had an ankle injury right. four minutes into his stint on the floor. And Cameron Payne, those first two games, was terrific. Yep. The offense played so well at the pace that he plays. And if they do miss him beyond this this game, that hurts a lot, right? A so, lot. Yeah, Devin Booker. It's hard to know what the cause was. Clearly, Patrick Beverly had some fantastic defensive possessions against For the energy. Sure. Like this was the best version of Patrick Beverly tonight. It was really fun watching him play defense. Yes. Chris Paul, first game back, you know, probably shaking off some rust. Devin Booker may be bothered by the face mask that he had on and Beverly. And like you said, I think the bottom line here is the Clippers fought. So freaking hard, like all game long. They were playing with such awesome effort. I thought on the defensive end of the floor, their rotations, both with Zubats in there and when they had their small ball lineups. And then when they were playing small on the offensive end of the floor, man, their oh, the ball looks, movement, it was look, so good. The looks they get when they play small are so much better. Yeah. They hit hard shots it, tonight. And the ball is boom, 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 yeah. boom. Oh, and that's, that's in half-court basketball, right? Um, Zubac was great. You know, look, we, we've talked about that hilarious the, the stat. streak, is it over? It's over. <laughs> it is over. And he was big tonight. He was great for them. 16 um, boards. Really and, aggressive and, play by him. And a lot, I mean, look, you, you could go across. This was not a good Paul George shooting night. What did he end yeah. up like? Nine for 26 or something like that? Nine for 26 for George. Three of 11 from three. He did have 15 rebounds, eight assists, as well as the 27 points. Well, I mean, and then Reggie Jackson, holy mackerel. They ended the broadcast by saying he made himself a lot of money this offseason. Dude. He very well may have because, I mean, he was double digits in the fourth quarter and just the shots were immense shots that he made. He had that layup in transition. Then I think maybe a minute later, he had that three-pointer. And yes. we've talked a lot about Reggie Jackson in recent weeks. I mentioned that that kind of goofy stat where he's number one in the isolation scoring yeah. efficiency. I mean, <laughs> it's funny to see that. Like, he's the one name that's not an all-NBA talent. But um, watching games, the dude's legit. Like, he's really, really good right now for the Clippers. And without Kawhi Leonard... Isn't that exactly what you need as a team? Like if a guys go down, like the Suns had that. Yeah. If Chris Paul goes down, Cameron Payne steps up first two games. Kawhi Leonard goes down. Paul George has a big game against Utah. Reggie Jackson further elevates his play. That's what you need when your star players go down, and Reggie Jackson has given him that. It's fun to well, watch. Well, and I liked the bit that you know Van Gundy did about knife fighters and milk drinkers, right? And you think about we we talk about those kind of guys, like and we've talked about them for what, years. What, like what those, do knives and milk have to do with any? Can you explain to me? Am I too what, young for this reference? No, 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 no. Like, uh, <laughs> well, just think about it, right? If I if I called you a milk drinker, right, that would mean you're a you're, you're a laissez faire. 
kind of guy, right? A really? knife, H- a knife. Hardworking people don't drink milk. What no, about I, all those advertisements I saw on my TV? Oh, for goodness sake! Mustaches. For goodness sakes! <laughs> all right, look. <laughs> Look, if I say you're a milk drinker versus a knife fighter, that should be pretty easy to understand. And they know. have, they do the, have the knife fighters. The milk drinker seems pretty responsible to me. Well, they might be responsible, but they're getting their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, they um, did. And, <laughs> and Pat Beverly, uh, like, if he had a switchblade in his shorts, it wouldn't shock anybody. <laughs> like, he, he's a real knife fighter. Um, he's an absolute lunatic out there half the it's, time. I love it. Dude, there and, was one play in the second half where Devin Booker tried to put a move on him, then he passed out of it. Yes. And then Beverly, like, I saw him on the screen. This is, like, mid-fourth quarter. Turns and just starts yelling at him in yes. his face, like, after Booker gave up the he's ball. He's been yelling at him for two games. <laughs> it's so funny. He was yelling at him in the last game, even after uh, he headbutted him in the it, face. It, and by the way, well, how different was this game in terms of the officiating, they let them play. Like there's a yes. lot of hard performances on both sides. Some toughness. I love to watch it. It was a it was a enjoyable game with the toughness, especially in that second. And half. and I want to highlight another guy who was an innocent bystander in the first half. The guy got the start, but really, I mean, I don't even know if he touched the ball. I don't remember him even touching the ball. And that's Terrence Mann. They Terrence came Mann, out. Baby. They came out in that second half. He had eight points by the time they went to that first timeout. He's flexing. He's pumping up the crowd. He's screaming at the top of his lungs. And like those type of things where he obviously came out in that second half and was ready to impose his will on the game, not be an innocent bystander. And he was going to the basket and he was, I mean, he was getting steals. He was he was causing all kinds of havoc and he scores those eight points very quickly before they get to the first time out. And as I said, he's pumping up the crowd and everything. And like, those are the kind of guys who I talk about all the time. Like that, that, that just has a profound impact. Like, yes, it is eight points in the box score, but it is so much more in raising the collective level of a team. Because when a guy like Terrence Mann is flying around out there like a bat out of hell and playing with that level of aggression, the rest of the team comes along with that. Next thing you know, Zubots is dunking it with two hands and banging on his chest and Reggie Jackson's going hard to the hole. And it's like those type of things have a carryover to the, I, I tell you this, man, he has been, he's been one of those guys that of course got to play a lot for the Clippers down the stretch. Uh, this year, um, but I think for a wider basketball audience getting to see him, some of the things he has done in, in the Utah series, obviously, was this coming out party. But then even tonight, like there's these three minute spans where Terrence Mann can just be a guy that is the most impactful player on the floor. And he had another one of those spurts tonight, and it was right there at the beginning of the second half, and I really felt like that set the tone. And that's when Monty Williams had that, you know, that uh, that mic'd up moment where he's like, "Yeah, that that team looks desperate. Like you can't be you can't be the less desperate team." And of course, you know, you could say whatever you want. He, he, Monty Williams can't go out there and dive on the floor, but those guys, the the Clippers, I'll give them credit. They went hard tonight. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. 
Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. The Suns, on the other hand, on some case, on some level, I thought it was a young team that, you know, really feeds off people cheering for them. That's un- not uncommon. Young teams, you know, can 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 get uh, very boosted morale-wise by everybody going crazy for them, and they really play off of a crowd, maybe more so than veteran teams. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you, Chris. I mean, like, the Clippers played with better effort. Terrence Mann and Patrick Beverly kind of yeah. the faces of that. Terrence Mann, unbelievable what, what he can do on the defensive end of the floor. But I, I think for the Phoenix Suns here – I mean, that's an element of it. The effort, they got outworked and all outplayed, out hustled, all that. But the big part is the fact that Chris Paul and Devin Booker combined to shoot 10 for 40. There ain't no the, question that's, about that's that. That's the biggest factor and why the game went the way it did. I mean, you could say Paul George was only 9 of 26 as well. Um, but I mean, just those two guys, you can't have both of them being can't combined 10 for 40. Like that just you're I'm not going to win games like that. That's the big part for me. There's no question those two going 10 for 40. <laughs> but, you know, only seven free throws combined for those two as well. Zubats had 10 total. We've talked a lot about reasons or excuses. I think they both have reasons. Chris Paul it was 11 days off, you know, and Devin he's getting Booker back in the broken mix. nose with a mask like, on. Well, and let me say this on the Booker thing. Number one, in retrospect, him coming back in that game, too, is absolutely unbelievable to me. And even playing tonight when they told when the, when they talked about his nose being broken in three different places or whatever. I don't know. I, I I look at I look at your nose, and, and you look to have a a, a perfect nose. So I'll imagine. <laughs> I, don't, you, I don't know about that. You haven't had something. You haven't had anything happen to it, though, right? I I have. I had a deviated septum. Oh, years you ago, did. And, and I don't think the deviated septum surgery worked. I think my nose is still clogged on one side. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! <laughs> I don't think it worked. I, I, hey. There was like there was like a two month period, Chris, where I, I I took a deep breath through my nose, and I, I was like, oh my god. This is what normal breathing feels like. And then it went back like a oh, lot of deviated septums. Kev, maybe this is why we're such good friends. Mm, why you I have this Chris? affliction myself, wow. but it's not. So let me just say mine was from injury. So interesting. I have, I here, here's a little a personal thing. I have had all manner of things happened to me in the past. Like I, both my ankles, my shoulder, wow. I, I've probably been stitched in my head at least four times, both my eyebrows. I've had stitches underneath them. If you shaved my eyebrows, you'd see where the scar marks were. I've broken my finger. I've broken, I mean, a lot, but I will tell you this. What do you do? Like fight club or something? I was doing fight club. Um, when I broke my nose and I would do every injury that I just mentioned, both ankles, shoulder, everything I would, 
I would have all of them at the same time happen to me before How? I before I would let my nose be broken again. It I I can't describe to you the level of pain that getting your nose broken is. It I've had and I say this because I've had a lot I, I got injured a lot when I was in my teenage years and and really up until I was probably like, I don't know, 20. But that th- breaking your nose for anybody out there that's done it, it is the absolute worst pain I have ever felt. I wanted to die. I wanted to die because you bleed out like hell too. Yeah, but it's was, just, David. it's a severe. And the fact that when they said he broke it, that he came back and played in that game and he didn't even have anything on it, wrote, that I'm telling you, that dude is tougher than all hell. They took me straight to the hospital. What, what kind of headache do you think he had dealing with that? Oh, my God. It's probably just splitting. His- <laughs> no, it is the worst. So mine was, I actually, um, I got hit. I was not wearing a mask playing hockey, and I got hit with a slap shot in the face. Oh, my goodness. The oh, you're not wearing a mask? Chris. Yes. The- <laughs> I, this is, is that a normal is, thing? Do people not wear masks playing play, like pickup hockey? I don't know anything about hockey. No, this is even <laughs> worse. This is even worse. So you have to at back then you had to until you were eighteen, and I went back the summer after my freshman year of college, and I was like, I'm not eighteen. I don't have to wear a face mask when we're just playing out here. And it was the first time I didn't wear one. Wow! And I was first coming out. Time. You know how? Well, you know how you're like. How about this? It was a guy on my team. It was, you know how you like, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with hockey, but if you if you shoot it in past the blue line and somebody's in the zone. Oh, it's icing. That guy, you, well, it's not well, icing. Offsides. Offsides. Yes, case. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to yep. clear out, yeah. right? Yep. So a guy behind shot it line. in. So I'm behind the net. I've got to clear back out. He doesn't see me. The puck comes out. He winds up and shoots it. And like from 10 feet away, he shatters my face. Wow. I mean, it was. Wow. And I'm telling you, nothing in my life. And even the, like, you know, they stick these, like, you saw them in Booker's nose. They they look like tampons. They stick them all the way (laughs) up your nose. And then they have to, like, stay there for, like, a week. It's the, it is the worst. And I'm telling you, if you would have made me go play something two days later, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, and I was, I guess I was 18, 19 when yeah. it happened. I, I mean, I, I was on my, I was on a couch for a week. It, I mean, it would, now maybe getting hit with a hockey buck's worse than getting hit with Pat Beverly's head, but it can't be that much. I mean, they said it broke, <laughs> yeah. said it broke in three spots. And I know, I know he's got crazy. a face. I know he's got a face mask on, but, and I know Pat Beverly's defense was great, but I'm saying just as someone who has broken their nose, it, that, that would be very, very hard and, to play. And we, and we mentioned the breathing aspect for yeah. him. His breathing could be different. You of course know, it, it might is. Be harder for him to breathe. Oh, you cannot breathe. No, yeah. he's, I mean, he's not breathing out of his nose. Exactly. So if he's normally, you know, breathing through his nose and now he has to be a mouth breather, that might affect his energy levels. Right. The other every, thing is every, everything. Like, the other that, thing like is, your, breathing, your breathing changes everything in your the, body. Kev, the other thing is it hurts all the time. Yeah, constantly. Probably, probably has that headache. No, it just never doesn't hurt because it's on your friggin' face. And so every time it just hurts all day. And so 
I mean, that's tough, man. I mean, that he ain't gonna. That thing ain't gonna heal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't How'd know. You have so many injuries. Cause I, I've had like, I've had two baseballs hit me in the face when I was playing like little league years yeah. and years ago when I wasn't looking, it just smacked me in the face. Uh, I had a, a playing basketball, butted heads and had a, like yeah. a black eye from button heads. But I don't think I've ever had a broken ball. All in my sp- life. It was all, 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 all sports. With, with a, clearly this is why with the mismatch, huh? Yeah. Mine was all sports. It was, uh, wow. Uh, hockey was two of them. Fight. I got in a lot of fights. You can imagine that. All I know about I got, I mean, if it, you talk, it, if you talk crazy when you're when you're a kid, you know what I mean. Like I grew up with, or around a lot of other kids, so I got a lot. I, I got in fights. Yeah. Um, and I got in fights fight. playing hockey, and then uh, <laughs> I also Does what that was surprise you, Chris, that I've never been in a fight. No, does not surprise me. <laughs> You're a, a, diffu- a, you're a diffuser. Yeah. I have the, I have diffused a fight. Yes, yeah. with me. Someone trying to pick a fight with me, and I diffused that successfully. Me, yeah, with me. Yeah, you diffused it with me. Oh well, yeah, with you as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every week, every week. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I just. I mean, I haven't gotten injured in a long time. I got wood, but just uh, that's just mm. from whatever it was when I was playing stuff. Um, from. 13 to 20, you know, when, yeah. you know, when I was playing stuff year round, uh, I just different crap happened. I don't know, but I'm fortunate in some ways. I've seen a friend rupture his Achilles just going up for a oh, rebound. Yeah. I've seen, oh, I've seen, I've, had, look, I've like seen a lot of bad injuries in my life playing pickup basketball. I've seen some brutal ones, but I promise you, as someone who's injured themselves a lot, there ain't nothing like breaking your nose. It <laughs> sucks. Can't imagine. There is. I, I mean, it's the worst. And so I feel for Devin Booker and I applaud him for even running around out there and playing because that it's it, it's worse than other stuff. Now, you mentioned the campaign thing. We got to see how bad that ankle injury is. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that had 40 points in the first two games. And the other thing is, you know, how I was talking about how like sometimes you just need a guy to flip the switch for you like Terrence Mann felt like. You know, when he's doing great, that it rate it, it it lifts everybody else up. How many times, even in these playoffs, has campaign been that guy? On a night when Booker and 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 DePaul couldn't throw it in the ocean, this is the exact night that you want campaign coming off with that bench unit Bingo. and Bingo. really giving you something. And it was noticeable. It's not like they went to Javon Carter or another. They didn't. They didn't go to another point guard, you know, just, when they just didn't spr- have sprinkled in a little each one more, but well, he only played five minutes. It wasn't significant. Yeah, right. And so and that was like at the end of the game uh, for the most part. But yeah, they they don't really have anybody to go to. And he is a kind of guy that can change, change the game. And if they're going to be without him, that is a big loss. Big loss. Big big time, man. Like he he's those first two games he was really good. He's been good the whole freaking season for Phoenix, right? Like this yep. isn't a new story for Suns fans who have watched this team all year. And if they're missing him, you know, the Clippers have a real opportunity here. They do. We talked they about do. it on the on the Tuesday night show. How with the Clippers here, we're not gonna discount them. You buried them. Co- don't not, no, you don't get to do this now. Not, you buried not, them. But what I mean, not having Kawhi Leonard, that hurts. But like you can't totally bury them, and we didn't. Well, Kawhi Leonard was there in a luxury suite. He was. I thought that was so uh, weird. It's so interesting. I thought Jeff Van Gundy mentioned it in the fourth quarter. Like, why is Kawhi not on the bench? Is it an, like an injury related? Is that why he's not on the bench? 
It it's is very weird. unusual. It's 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 unusual. I wonder why. I'd love. I I, I might look into this. Try to find out if I can dig well, up. Because what's he gonna do? Talk. <laughs> you know, typically guys are down there like being coaches on the floor. It's almost like having another assistant. I bet you it is injury related. No, that's ridiculous. They probably don't like sometimes those benches. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is ridiculous. They, they I watched Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> jump around the entire season. And he was out the whole year with after knee surgery. Maybe he and shouldn't he was, have been jumping around the whole season. Oh, no, well, come on. He, he wasn't I, great when he came back. <laughs> Shut <laughs> I'm up. just saying. How dare you? I'm serious. How, how dare you? Look, he's been through I, enough. I want to be in a bubble if I'm recovering from <laughs> These, a major leg injury. Look, there's all manner of guys that get injured that are still on the bench. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, right? think about with Kawhi. With, Kawhi's probably very particular with his, I mean, think about what the way things transpired for San Antonio when he yes. left there, right? Yes. He's probably very particular about the way he recovers from injuries, where he sits, and if whether he attends the game or not. Yeah. I mean, look, he could say he wants to sit on Balmer's lap and he'd let him. <laughs> um, <laughs> which would be great. What if Kawhi the, sat on Balmer's lap? The can next you imagine game? that sight? <laughs> They, he should sit in the end zone next to him. I oh, just yeah. want to see the That'd juxtaposition be between Kawhi Leonard getting excited and Steve Ballmer getting oh, excited. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we need a – dude, if ESPN or TNT are listening to this show, we need at some point a split, split screen. screen yes. re, like Even if it's just a replay, like yes. a split screen of their reaction to a big moment. That's what we need. <laughs> it has to happen. Please. We have to. ESPN, TNT production crews, help yes. us out. We got to yes. see that. That's good content, Chris. I know. Or maybe we could, <laughs> at worst, maybe we could get like a Kawhi hologram to put next to Ballmer yeah. down the – Oh, down on the bench if he's unwilling to sit down there. But no, uh, I, I guess the, the the one good thing is it, it does look like this isn't going to be a wipeout series, right? If anybody was out there thinking the Suns are just going to run them over because they get Paul back, Kawhi's out, like they're not going to run them over. They're not, pretty clearly. And this could be a long, good series. Um, it is a little distressing. Like there has been absolutely no indication that Kawhi Leonard is coming back at all, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we could kind of rule that out. Uh, it it feels like. Uh, it would be shocking hey, to anybody maybe, if we see it. Maybe, maybe that's why it's injury-related. Yeah, just who knows? used to not having Kawhi. And I also, I want to just, I want to quickly note, he was sitting with his family, too. Like, he might have just wanted to be with his family during the game. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good reason. I don't, ha I don't have kids. So I don't know what that's like. <laughs> I just want to be with his family, Chris. Bro, you are really <laughs> reaching. Yeah, everybody wants am. to be with their family. <laughs> I mean, I know. I, I want to be with my family too. You know what I I'm know. saying? Like, I don't get to sit with them in the stands. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just interested to know why. Well, probably because nobody even brings it up to him. He just sits wherever he wants That's to. Funny, <laughs> yeah. Nobody even said anything it, to it'll him. It'll be Balmer next game. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they broach the subject. Hey, Kawhi, do you want to sit on the bench? And he probably no. So they're like, okay, fine. do whatever you want to do, man. It's not like you're going to be talking to anybody down here anyway. It's actually more awkward if you're on the bench. Because <laughs> then they'll be like, why isn't he talking to anybody? Because <laughs> he never talks to anybody. <laughs> he never talks to anybody. Yeah, that would be 
That would be the most shocking is if next game Kawhi Leonard was down on the Clippers bench and like when they came to every huddle, he was there barking at him and talking he, he to has, him. He has the clipboard, right? <laughs> That'd be great. And he's like, he's like coaching them what to do yeah. here, what to do there. He's like, I'll show first. you Chris Vernon. <laughs> first time, hey, Subach did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. These guys, one, I'm telling one you. Of all, our, all, one of our 250 uh, listeners, right? They're all, well, like I, I would say 240 of them are guys that I have insulted and have proved me wrong. <laughs> that yeah. are in, within the NBA. <laughs> uh, but I did get a note that Gobert stopped listening to us. Yeah. He I'm didn't sure. want, he was scared. He didn't want to hear what I had to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I, if I were Rudy Gobert, I wouldn't want to listen to you either. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, let's get to what took place last night, which was, I mean, at some point we got to stop being shocked with the Atlanta stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I, I tweeted about this last night, Kev. That as as this game unfolded, and then there was the aftermath. I and and I I left it on TNT and I watched the post game show, and it feels like you know second verse same as the first on a lot of this stuff regarding Atlanta and their opponents. That every time Atlanta does something spectacular or Trey Young does something spectacular, the focus becomes on what the other team isn't doing um, or does not do in the moment. Um, And it is the failings of the opposing team's personnel. It is the failings of the opposing team's coach. But it is rarely about what this guy is doing. You know, I hearken back to a few weeks ago, you did that uh, you did that video, your breakdown video of Trey Young and kind of what he is doing against defenses. And people can go back and watch that on The Void. Um, the Void with Kevin O'Connor on YouTube.com. And you can go back and watch that video, but it, all, but it all rings true. It does. I mean, you could go back and watch that video and the stuff you were talking about in that video is the stuff that has happened along the way. It's just that at what point are, are, is everybody going to stop talking about you know, the, the, the shameful uh, Knicks and then the shameful 76ers and the shameful Bucks and realize this guy is just lining these teams up and mowing them down and is the best player and dominating these games um, uh, many nights. And even the nights that he's not having good shooting nights, he is controlling the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you see it and it's like, okay, his shot's not going in. Well, now he's getting to that mid range and he's throwing up lobs to Capella and Collins, or he's making a big shot, even though he's one for 50 or whatever else. And I just, I don't know, as I'm reading everybody kill the bucks last night, I'm like, man, how many times are we just going to kill? Are we going to kill everybody else instead of thinking about what this guy is doing? Because Kev, I'm left thinking, Bro, it's it's Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibault, and now it's Drew Holiday. Like, who do you want him to go against? If I was going to – if my life was on the line and I needed a stop, those are three of the guys yeah. I'm choosing from. <laughs> so, like, who do you yeah. want him to go up against? Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. That's a good way to frame it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Who do you want him to go up against? Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And he he's answering – Every single time he's always creating a good opportunity for himself or others. And with Trey young, dude, I mean, it's, first of all, it's fun to watch him. Like it's just fun to watch Trey, 
but the way in which he dominates at six feet, you know, six one under 200 pounds, the way in which he uses his body and the intensity he plays with the confidence that he plays with. It is so easy to love. It is so easy to hate. And I'm sure like Sixers fans and Knicks fans already hate him. Bucks fans are learning how to hate him right now. Like if you're, if he's beating you, you hate this dude. And that's a, it's good to have players like that in the league. And it's not just that though. It's the, it's the offense. It's the scoring. It's the passing. It's even like letting Kevin Herter go off. If he's feeling, if he has a matchup, it's being deferential. The defensive intensity from this little guy in the floor I tweeted out a clip the other night of the, him like defending Giannis on a one-on-one around the, you know, the free throw Giannis backs him down, but Trey like bumps him and like tries hard. Like he's not, you know, just flailing. He's not trying to flop right. on the play. He's playing tough, man. And I watch moments like that. And like, that's the smallest guy on the floor doing that. That's the team's best player doing that. And he's doing it all night long. And if you're on that team, you're seeing Trey do that. Him set that example. That's leadership by example. And, like I'm just very impressed by him in all regards because th- he's answering all the questions about him people had out of the draft. How could he adapt playing with others? How can he survive in the defensive end of the floor? How will his teammates like him? What type of leader will he be? All of those intangible qualities, it's becoming check, 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 check. And Trey Young, before our eyes, is really blossoming as a superstar. Well, and you have 45-plus uh, points and 10-plus assists, and no one has ever done that. No one has ever done that. Not never done that in a debut. Not never done that in their first playoffs. They've never done that. And theoretically, all the best players are the ones that are in the conference finals year in, year out. And so in the history of the league, no one has had the game that he just had in his first conference finals game ever. I mean, the the crazy thing is, Kev, this is your first time through. I always talk about, you know, catching your playoff scars. He's just dishing scars out to people. Yeah. Like he's not even getting any. <laughs> Great way to he's put it. He's not even getting any scars. Like this is. Yeah. And so, again, it's about, you know, how stupid uh, Coach Bud is. And they can't they can't play Lopez. They need to play Portis. And then they play Portis and he, he's shimmying right in Portis's face. Oh, like what goodness. does it matter? What a, what a moment, dude. Like, <laughs> I, well, like they spent the entire halftime on TNT talking about, you know, having the Brooke Lopez Bobby Portis argument, maybe move Giannis to the five, whatever. And I thought it, I just thought it was ironic that yes, obviously he was killing them in that drop coverage. And then he was pulling up from three and then he would drive. And then they went to Bobby Portis and then guess what? The shimmy happens on the Bobby Portis. When Bobby Portis is like, that's when I'm watching that. And I'm like, like, at what point do we start? admitting that it's not about everybody else it's about this dude Mm because it doesn't matter who you are playing it really i just told you it's friggin ben simmons matisse steibel and drew holiday like it doesn't matter you can talk about they need to do this and they need to do that and they need to do this i mean it we're just gonna i guess we're just gonna keep saying that until the end and then it was like and look, the Bucks may come back and the Bucks may even win four straight. I, nothing is out of the realm of possibility. They're a prohibitive favorite to win. And mm-hmm. maybe it is the the Atlanta needed trade to go to 48 for 48 to win that game. But like we've seen them when he's been bad win games against good teams. So I don't know, man. Like 
uh, to me, at so, uh, I, I, w- I was just left after that game thinking about, like, I, I'm not making any more predictions about this dude because that was freaky. Freaky. It, it really was. <laughs> I mean, it, everybody it really told was. me, wait till Drew Holiday gets his ass. Mm-hmm. And maybe he will tomorrow night. Maybe, maybe they'll defend him may, totally different. Maybe, maybe he'll shut him down. But <laughs> people were waiting for everybody else to shut him down all along this way. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I look forward to seeing how the Bucks do adjust though, because like naturally you're going to make some type of adjustment. You mentioned it hasn't mattered what teams do and 100% like you're right. I think in the second half when they did go with Giannis at the five, they did make more of an impact with more switching, yes. a little bit more pressure. It seemed to work better. Will they lean into that lineup? That's, you know, the, the, you know, the first thing you think about, will they lean into Giannis at the five more often? But then the second part is though, are they going to continue doing drop coverage are they going to go with a lot of switching? In game one, he scored 1.3 points per chance against drop coverage. Um, the, that's what the Hawks scored when he ran a pick and roll. When the, when he Trey Young ran a pick and roll and the Bucks switched, they scored 0.8 points per chance. So they're much better against the drop coverage. That's just a one-game sample, but it's consistent with what the entire playoffs are versus the Knicks and the Sixers. The Hawks were worse when the opponent switched, way better when they played drop coverage. So will the Bucks, a team that on paper has done it more and more and more all season long, that trained for this, that got yep. ready for this moment, are they going to go with like a heavy switching defense with more small ball lineups in game two or at some point during the series? That's the main thing I'm watching for. It's simple, but that's what the Hawks, that, that's why they built for this. They were built for this moment well and you have when when that game comes out at the end if you're the bucks one thing well there's a couple things that would concern me obviously the boot and holes are factor is concerning and what adjustments will be made right there's not a tremendous level of trust amongst that fan base for their coach doing the right thing right hawks hawks fans are used to it too they've seen correct Mm -hmm. you have um i mean Giannis was fantastic drew holiday was fantastic middleton is like sometimes you get him sometimes you don't like that we've talked about this right yeah i mean sometimes he's as good a player as there is on the floor and then other nights you're gonna catch those nights and you just you don't know which but they got a good drew holiday one and the truth is game is on the line they got a wide open Three. And Pat Connaughton missed it by 60 feet. I mean. Yeah. You can tell right away, too. <laughs> I mean, look. It's one of those misses. Just a, 
it, it's 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 disgraceful. Pat, I mean, look, I don't want I don't want to be too hard on him, but we've had a rough go here as the, the as the white guy basketball player. It, the the the, <laughs> the Wagner kid in the NCAA tournament, Juwan Howard calls it for him. Wagner. Wagner. He throws the ball into the stands on a three. Joe Harris, KD, is having the game of his life, kicks it over to Joe Harris. Joe Harris, who <laughs> could probably hit 100 out of 100 when he wants to. Brick City. And then Pat Connaughton, all alone. <laughs> like, this is your John Paxson moment, bro. This is your Steve Kerr finals moment. You, I mean, since the beginning of time, don't leave the white guy and... Well, you got one job, Pat. You got one job. That's all. That's all anybody wants you to do. Just shoot the ball. But, you know, but Chris, stop trying Hawks, to do too much. Chris, there's a guy by the name of Kevin Herter. He's all we've got. He's all we've got left. He's all we've got left. That's it. We got freaking Kevin Herter. These other guys. Player. It's the only thing I've been able to count on these guys for. Like, come on. <laughs> You got what are you doing, Pat? Just I mean airball? A freaking airball? What is that? I mean, that didn't happen when I was a kid. It was like they, they threw that thing over to John Paxson. That was cash. They threw that over to Steve, Steve Kerr. Kerr. Cash. Yeah, that's, that's money. Cash. These guys. What was the guy's name that uh won it for Indiana? I'm a I'm dating myself. Uh, Steve Alford <laughs> became a coach. Steve Alford. Cash. I mean, there's a long lineage of this. That's the look, we're, this we're generation, Chris. Hey, not the same. I know it's not. These newfangled white guys, they can't, they can't, they can't do nothing. We only got to get Kevin Herter. And not to turn up the Mr. Serious Basketball Analyst here, but Pat Connaughton is only a career 35% from three. Shouldn't be airballing in that moment. Bro, we are wide open. But, but this does speak to like the same thing you're talking about with Chris Middleton, though. This is an on and off offense sometimes. Like they have nights where they look horrible because a lot of their guys just hit those extremes at the worst possible moment. And Drew Holiday is one of those guys, too. And they had him on a great night, like you they said, did. Chris. 33 points, 14 of 25, 10 assists. He was really great, really great. And if you get a great Drew Holiday night and a great Giannis Antetokounmpo night, you should probably win the game, right? Like, that's really that, – that game felt like it slipped away uh, from, from the Bucks. Losing that home game is really tough because – like Atlanta could steal another one. Like we could really well, get a deep series here. We th- could. This is this is what happened. They, I thought they, I thought they screwed around in the first half of that game. And this is where I thought Charles Barkley gave very very good analysis at halftime. He said, "You got to worry about the Bucks here in the sense that." Because I felt this as I was watching it. I thought that was a team that just, you know, they had to play a grinded out in the mud type of game against Brooklyn. They couldn't do the fly up and down the court, you know, play some free basketball, you know, pace and space, all this kind of stuff. And their mode of operation to win that series was going to be to play those low scoring games and play a bunch of half court basketball, right? That was how they were going to be best served, especially defensively, not let 
those guys fly out to the wings and and try to play like that. And so I thought that's not how they typically operate. And I thought it was like, well, this is going to be a lot more fun, right? Now we can now we can go up and down the court and we can just play free basketball. Um, but what Charles was saying was they're playing it like it's a it's it's a game in like mid January. Mm-hmm. Like there's not like you're at home. It's a conference finals. This team just got done, you know, uh, playing, and you gotta you gotta bury them. You gotta bury this team. You gotta you gotta put the screws to them right off the bat. And I thought that they were comfortable just kind of playing it like a regular season game. There wasn't that level of intensity. It was just kind of like everybody's going up and down the court, and that gives some team like the Hawks so much confidence and so much mojo that they can like. They could play in this game. And then by the time it comes where you're like, all right, now now we're going to put them away. Because that's how a lot of teams that have a lot of experience play. And it's like, all right, now it's time we're going to get every stop down the show. It's too late because this guy's caught a heater. He's got 40-something points. He's not – you're not – now you don't have the chance to just put the screws to them and get a stop every time down the court. And so I did think that they were – they didn't play with the level of intensity that is required in order to win that game. And if they're gonna let if they're gonna let Atlanta play free and get up and down the court and get their dunks off and Trey get in space, it, I mean, they, look look no further than the shimmy play. That is disgraceful. I mean, that he had twenty minutes. <laughs> he could have done anything he wanted to. He's just standing there. That play is indicative of how ridiculous the level of intensity is. That can't be. This is the this is the conference finals yeah. for God's sakes. Something this guy else. is shimmying. He's just making a mockery <laughs> of your defense. I I couldn't believe it. Dude. Oh my god! I, I really couldn't believe he actually did it during the play. I rewinded it live. Unbelievable! I'm like, did I just shimmy? <laughs> I told you. Remember it's when amazing. I brought up a bad guy wrestler about a month ago against the Knicks? And I'm like, I always kind of like those guys. Yeah, and so the guy's kind of winning right. me over. I really had to view him through the prism of that so that all the irritating things then become <laughs> funny. Yeah, they're so great. And it really is funny now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Like, it really feels like he is the guy that, like, you know, like he would, like, be hiding under the ring and then he'd run up in the ring and then punch <laughs> punch somebody in the nuts and pin him and everybody be like, Boo, F you. You know, what I mean? like, oh, he's done it again. Oh, he, and then he scurries off. Oh, he's done it again. You know, except he kind of like, he kind of acts like, I don't know, like he's got all the swag in the world. Yeah, he does. He's like, he's like, point, he like was like, he, tried, he like looked for people to stare down. And yep. like, <laughs> I guess there's no celebrities there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I saw somebody tweet that. No celebrities in the crowd. He just he saw kept looking for Pat, one. Packers offensive lineman. <laughs> it's a pretty good tweet. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try to remember who who tweeted that. At J Cool now on Twitter tweeted that. It's very funny. Yeah, right. Aaron Rodgers ain't hanging around those parts anymore, is he? <laughs> I'm sorry, Milwaukee fans. Sorry, <laughs> but but he's not. He's he's wherever in Bora Bora singing karaoke with hot chicks. He ain't at your game. <laughs> he's trying to get traded somewhere. Maybe he could get Jordan Love to the game. 
Problem is nobody would know who Jordan Love is. <laughs> Trey Young would be like, who? <laughs> like, oh, that's the guy that's going to play quarterback if Aaron Rodgers leaves. <laughs> like, that's Jordan Love. He starts staring down Jordan Love. <laughs> All right. A um, couple that's other so funny. news and notes. I think, look, <laughs> I do not think... I do not think this is going to be a wipeout from here on out that that was just a one-off. Yeah. I really don't. I don't. I don't think that was a one-off. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there like, From hey, Trey, you mean? Or you Atlanta. Oh, yeah, that it was one game, and he had 48, and Milwaukee's still the infinitely better team. Like, I don't trust them. <laughs> I don't trust them. Yeah. And, and Atlanta, and like we've said, Atlanta is not just some hot playoff team. They've been hot for months now, going back to middle of the regular season. Like, they've been a really good team for a really long and we time gotta now. Remember, they've been consistent. They caught Brooklyn. They caught Brooklyn, like, hobbled yeah and it took to the last shot literally exactly or really whatever three to five inches of kevin durant's foot you know to be in this spot but no lot like i i like that bucks team i love Giannis, but damn it when is the last time you were like mega impressed with them miami right like, even after all those Brooklyn games, I was never like, damn, the Bucks. Yep, you're right. When is the last time they looked awesome? Miami, Miami like right? you said, yeah, Miami, yeah. They yep. never looked awesome yeah, with against the Brooklyn, Brooklyn series. It was always like, eh, I don't know. They got, know they got by. Yeah, they did, of course. And I think, just to talk about Brooklyn for a second here, Chris, the flip side of it. Brooklyn was just yep. getting healthy. Yeah. They were just getting healthy. And... On paper, like they should beat, like Brooklyn could have beat this Atlanta Hawks squad and gone to the NBA Finals against us, like the Clippers without Kawhi or the Suns with Devin Booker with a broken nose. And for the Brooklyn Nets, it feels like such a missed opportunity with those injuries coming at that time, right? And for Brooklyn, we've talked about Chris how like how great it was in many ways to see a small market team de- defeat like this super team that came together. I think for Brooklyn, after losing, this isn't just year one of this. This is really year two because Katie and Carrie were the team last year. Tarden joined them this year. This is year two of this project. For this team, it's now been two years not winning. I'm, I'm curious if you think of them having now to battle back, retool, and then have to go through it again and maintain health again to really get through you know, a gauntlet in the playoffs, does that change what the Nets can be with how you view them? Because like they've now not lost. Does that make it more of a challenge instead of like just year one doing it? Or is it still, this is a super team. I hope they continue to lose. <laughs> yeah. It's super team. I hope they continue to lose. I feel terrible that they lost for their one fan. Um, that's been with oh, them, God. been with them through thick and thin. <laughs> oh, um, come on. <laughs> you know, that the guy out there in the Karis LeVert Jersey, but, um, other than that, like, like come, <laughs> come on. on. If those three guys are healthy, it, it is what it is. They proved that. They proved it that. Ma- it, it, ma- it makes it a better story, though, because there are some challenges for them. They really are. Oh, I mean, God. They, the, the, that great underdog story of them, <laughs> the th- three of the ten best players in the world, <laughs> fighting all the way back. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I couldn't care. That's ridiculous. But I, I'm... D- Oh, no, I, my, my, one thing I'll say, speak. Chris, well, well, just right. one thing, though, like the injury things that might not go away for them. It's still scary. Like, right. This might be a annual thing. Let me say that uh, that is possible. I also, in this sense, I do think this is good. And I'm being serious about this. Brooklyn losing 
when you look at the four teams here, right, and Kawhi's sitting up in the stands, he's not he's not part of that team right now, that I know that players around the league are major NBA fans and they are watching this intently and they watch getting to this moment. And there, you can say, and fans and media can say, yeah, well, if AD and LeBron weren't hurt and yeah, if Brooklyn wasn't hurt and whatever else, but, but they were. And so they're not there. Right. And so what, what they're all seeing right now, to me, the reason I think that this is good for the sport is because I think you have a lot of guys that are watching it that many times when it gets to this level, they say, I, I, I can't do it unless I team up. Mm. And they're right. They're yeah. right. They, they look and they say, I'm, this isn't good enough. Like, I'm not, I'm not on a team that can beat LeBron and AD. Like, I, I could want to win a championship, but I'm not on a team that can compete with Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving. But they look and they see Trey Young getting to be there. And they see Giannis getting to be there. And they see Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton getting to be there. Right? And it's... That's impactful. It just is. Yeah. When the teams that are there at the end, where it doesn't make you feel like I have to do this in order to achieve what I want to achieve, because that was and has been true. You did. If you were, the truth was, if you, if you were going to beat those Warriors and you were going to beat those Lakers, and that's been the two teams, you know, really since that you were going to, you were going to be pretty damn formidable. And it's, and you look around to your team and you go, I don't know if I'm ever going to have enough here to do that. And so I like seeing those guys in all those different places, being able to be where they are right now, because I'd hate for so many guys throughout the league to feel like they're what they, their goal is unattainable unless they go and team up with one or two other guys. And that's the only way you're going to be able to win what you want to win because somebody's going to do that without it this year. And it's going to be the first time in a while, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I guess, well, I guess uh, Toronto. I don't want to forget about Toronto. Toronto did it, right? But most of these titles have been Golden State and then the Lakers. For sure, uh, I'm Chris. Uh, I'm totally with you, no doubt. Every 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 word you said, I, I think that's all true. And you know, ultimately, for all of these teams, uh, you know, injuries happen. They're a part of the game. They're part of every every team's story. Um, some major, some minor. But ultimately, like, these teams are here for good reason. You know, Atlanta. Like it's not just because of injuries. This team has been rock solid. Like really, really good for months now. This Bucks team is built over the years, and we're seeing them maybe build now during this series. And out west, I mean, the Clippers are really the only team that could qualify as a super team, right? Yeah. The Suns built organically, then made a trade for Chris Paul. Different uh, way of building, but I mean, even that Clippers team, what got them to that point was building young, like having yeah. guys like Shea Gildas well, Alexander. That, like that's that, what, that, that's that, what set them up for it. And that's the thing, like people. When I said something about the homegrown Bucks, people were like, "Yeah, well, look at their starting lineup. They didn't draft those guys." Like, look, if you build your team through draft and trade rather than free agency, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they would have Divincenzo in the lineup. Yeah. And it's all context, you know. It's like yes. with 
two stars do it at the same time. You know, it's it's a big difference. For sure. Um, all right. Let's get to some of this coaching news real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Celtics made a hire, Ime Odoka. Um, when I saw this, I thought, um, wow, that's an interesting tweet by Jay Williams. I'm just kidding. Um, I thought, <laughs> <laughs> come on, it's jokes. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought, uh, wait till Jay Williams sees the Dodgers. <laughs> He's going to congratulate Mooski Betts on being the first black Dodger ever. I mean, of all the things in the world, he didn't, I think Jay Williams said that his, his, his Twitter got hacked, right? Yeah, he did. Oh, that's, that's what that's, he said. Man, that is, that is one wild hacker. He's out there <laughs> tweeting some weird stuff. Um, anyway, Ime Udoka. I got to get these jokes off. Come on. Ime Udoka. Um, it's been a name that's been in the in, in the well regarded in the coaching circuit. I will tell you for a long, long time. I believe, uh, when Dave Yeager left and there was an opening the year that the Grizzlies hired Fisdale, they they interviewed Ime Odoka, and I believe also he was in the mix. Uh, well, this last time around before Taylor Jenkins uh got the job. And so I've just I've I've been hearing his name for at least like four or five years, you know, as a guy that was very, very highly regarded by a lot of people around the league and was always in that, you know, in that in that mix of guys of the up and coming or guys that will eventually be head coaches in the NBA. And so I'll tell you that from and that goes back like whatever five years, like everybody that I ever talked to about Ime Odoka came away like mega impressed with the guy and thinks that that guy's got the goods. You never know. As we've said a hundred times, you know, it's, it's, it's just like uh, the military in some ways, some guys just aren't cut out to be generals and you don't know until you make them a general, right? <laughs> right? Some guys are just cut out to be assistants. Um, but there's a lot of people with a lot of high praise for Absolutely. this guy. And so yeah. um, an interesting interesting hire, to say the least, uh, in Boston, it. because that's big, big shoes to replace because Brad Stevens has been a fantastic head coach, in my opinion. Absolutely. He's been great for many years. And, you know, before that, Celtics, you know, had Doc Rivers, who had some many, many good years with the Celtics. So, you know, it's definitely big shoes to fill. But as you said, Chris, everybody you talk to about him – People say that, like he's the guy most people were surprised isn't a head coach yet, and now he yep. is. Yep. Yeah. Him and uh, Darvin, Darvin Ham, yep. who's Darvin there in Milwaukee. Yep. Exactly. His name. Those yeah, two. Dar those are the two names all the time. All the time that have come up. Uh, the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> look, uh, <laughs> they need some good PR with Nate McMillan <laughs> killing it like he is. <laughs> And so we'll just try to, uh, they're just going to try to erase the uh, Borkred era. They, they, they're going to see if they can expunge it from the media guide and they yeah. can just act like it never happened. And they went straight from Nate McMillan to Rick Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, going to act like that season just never cross happened. It out. Yeah. yeah. Cross it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, no lie. Like uh, it was about as bad as it could turn out when you have a guy for one year. Right. And it wasn't even like, I mean, it, it wasn't like they, it, 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 it was the worst of it because it was one year, your players didn't like him. You weren't bad enough to get a lottery pick. 
Like you were in that mix, right? So it's really, and you have to fire the guy. So like nothing good comes out of it, except you are in a spot to be able to hire Rick Carlisle, which is good. Great timing, huh? And also, (laughs) I mean, you're really lucky to be able to get Rick Carlisle to be there because that's not um, the most desirable of all situations right now. There's probably jobs out there that are better than yours. Um, there are, there certainly were until today. There, there still is today, right? Like, I mean, you'd rather have the Mavs job than, than that job just on paper. Um, but being able to get Rick Carlisle, who's an old buddy of Kevin Pritchard, um, I do think that Rick Carlisle, like they hire him and I'm sure they'll make some personnel moves, but I would assume that they will be right back in the playoff mix as they were for a long time prior to, you know? And this Pacers team could come back better, you know? Having guys out there were out, out in and out all season long. So, And I look forward to seeing what, what Rick Carlisle does here with DeMontis Sabonis. How does he change his role or enhance his role? Can he get more out of him, you know, than the Pacers already have been? What he's, you know, got him out of himself. Sabonis has turned himself into such a great player. What can he do for Miles Turner as well? Is there more to get out of him if they keep both of those bigs? I'm just excited to see the way the Pacers rebuild here. Yeah, Levert too, of course. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, Levert's got promise. Mm -hmm. He does. This guy, uh, I don't think you've seen the best of him. I agree. There's still more to his game. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the job he left, Dallas. Uh, Jason Kidd, um, I mean, he's a point guard for the title team there, right? So there's a there's a real connection. There's obviously a relationship, a prior relationship between that organization and Jason, between Mark Cuban and Jason. Um, and as of time we're recording, you know, all signs pointed towards – what. As of right now, Woj is saying that they're working out contract details. So if you're to the point where you're working out the contract details and they've never been one to, uh, you know, walk away from the table and say, oh, no, 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 that's too much money, right? Like, I mean, I mean, imagine Jason will be very thrilled with the contract that he gets with Dallas and they will get their guy. Um he did have a young star before, which we could say whatever we want about Jason Kidd. You you listen to the the Milwaukee kids that were there, the Brogdons and the Giannis's and those, and they swear by him. They do. Like, he was good for them. And it only matters if he's good for Luka. That's it. That's it, Kev, right? If Jason Kidd is a good coach for Luka Doncic, that they can be on the same page, that Luka can be an extension of coach, and that they can get along, you know? The the coach and the best player on the team being in lockstep with each other. and that That's that job to me right now, right? Because um, Luka's about to sign a long extension there, and I mean, he's... He's been like a, what, like a little below 500, I think, in his time with Brooklyn and then in Milwaukee. So, I mean, there's nothing to be crazy impressed about uh, that he has done, but he's very highly regarded as a player. He's had off-court problems, which have been well-documented, and it's a little surprising that a team that has been in the news for off-court 
problems incredibly would, would even bring that upon themselves right you know what i'm saying would even bring that upon themselves pr wise but i guess mark cuban's never been much for caring about you know pr um i don't know i i mean i don't i uh, to me it i i would say jury's out i i follow some mavs fans on twitter they didn't they didn't seem excited at all no not at all they didn't no. Wasn't it interesting how Rick Carlisle threw his full support behind Jason Kidd? As, as okay, so do we think Pacers that's him coach? being an a-hole, or do we think that that's being him like being sincere? I don't know. I, I really don't know, Chris. That that was it's just very unusual. Like I I feel like coaches stick together and do that. I'm not sure if there was anything reasoning behind doing it though. Like that's unusual. Like usually you'd hear, usually you'd hear somebody say, well, I've been there for many years. I'm sure Mark Cuban and their staff are going to do a great job finding their replacement. You wouldn't hear a name. Like it's just you'd hear a very PR friendly thing to say. You don't, you don't hear that often. Do you like you when has that ever happened? Where a coach left and said, I hope yeah. this, this, this former player of mine gets the job there. <laughs> So not that I could remember. That, that w- usually it would be somebody on the staff. You might say that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's been said, but I'm not sure about like a coach from somebody not on your staff. Well, I think that uh, if we read all those stories correctly, it seemed like they had a pretty good level of dysfunction, you yeah, know, that was that, that was going on there because like there was the one story where I just thought it was odd that one story had a quote from Luca talking about what a good head coach Jamal Mosley would be. Oh, yeah. That that quote that quote was from the game he did coach during the season. I think it was after that game he said that. No, I think it was recently they got a quote from him about it. I just thought it was strange. I, I think I so oh, it was it was I, from then. I, I I looked it up after the show we did a couple. But weeks they put ago but they put it. the quote in the recent story as to make yes, it sound like I'm not. I don't know. But Luca like would support this. It's I might, strange. I could be wrong. We brought like the one, up on the, the we one did I talk, saw was from we talked about ago. it on the show and yeah, it was did, odd. Yeah, yeah it, was. it was it, odd to read a story about Rick Carlisle leaving and then have a quote of Luca Doncic saying, "I think you know people say that." Jamal Mosley is the front runner. So maybe Rick Carlisle was like, F that. You don't get this job. You don't get this job. I'll be out there st- telling everybody that Jason Kidd should have the job. You know what I mean? Because that was, you know, uh, obviously the assistant coach that had a good, very good relationship with Luca, but I thought that was, I, I don't know. When I read that first article, I was like, oh, okay. Rick Carlisle is going to leave, and this guy that's already been there that's got a relationship with Luca is going to get the job. But so maybe Rick was like, yeah, that ain't happening. I'm walking away, but <laughs> they should hire Jason Kidd. I mean, I don't think they're hired Jason Kidd because Rick Carlisle said, to, <laughs> yeah, you know, he might have known it was happening or something. Who knows? Yeah, right. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he was yeah. just being nice. Yeah, for sure. He said he Could've said nice that. things in his uh, iPhone note statement to Woj. <laughs> <laughs> When he left, <laughs> what what um, a weird what a weird year for Dallas, man! What a weird year! So much change after all after seeing all these guys being there for so many years, just strange. Like this, this is a pivotal year, and every choice they make, it's all going to determine if in a couple of years we're talking about Luca like competing for championships, yeah, or Luca looking for a way to get to the Knicks. That like, it's like one of those things. Like depending on what happens now. 
So we still got uh, the the Pacers got filled, the Celtics got filled, Dallas got filled. Uh, Portland's still out there. Orlando still out there. New Orleans still out there, right? Am I missing any? Portland, New Orleans, Orlando. That's just off the top of my head. Yeah, you gotta. It, it, is there is there a couple other jobs that are open? What we had at least six openings, right? After the after the news of uh, yeah, just six Stevens. Now. Wizards Magic. Oh, Wizards. You said that right? No, Pacers, I didn't say Wizards. The Pacers got hired, so now it's down to five. Blazers, Pelicans, Mavericks, but Mavericks could be filled now, and that's not official yet. Hmm. All right. Well, and yeah, it looks like uh, Pelicans gig will be interesting to see what happens there. That is a huge one. Yeah. I would like to put my support out for Master P, who uh, went on that TMZ and said he wanted the job. <laughs> you have met him twice. He's the nicest guy in the world. Really? Yeah. Nicest guy in the world. Really. Truly. Um, we actually have. <laughs> I know some guys that grew up with him. And so he was always cool to me, like every, and he came in and did a, a maybe like an hour, hour and a half with me years ago. And uh, I remember being so, were were you, were you a kid when Cribs was on? Was Cribs still on? Yeah. Cri- yeah. You know yeah, that. Cribs was on. Yep. Okay. So when I was a kid, Cribs was on MTV and I used to watch it all the time. And so when I got to interview Master P, this is one of the first things I wanted to talk to him about. I was like, look. I watched that crib so many times because the cribs with Master P, when you walked into his house in, in New Orleans, he had, Kevin, he had like a 24-karat gold ceiling. <laughs> the whole ceiling <laughs> was gold. And I was like, I remember on the episode of Cribs, I was like, that gold ceiling. I was like, you know, being a kid, I was like, I thought that was the most unbelievable thing I had ever seen. And you know what he said? He goes, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> And I was like, like, what? And he's like, here's the thing. You know, you get all this money. And at the time, yes, it is cool. And it's cool on cribs. And he's like, but then when it came time to sell the house, what you realize is there ain't nobody that wants to pay for a 24 karat gold ceiling. You're the only person that wants that. Yeah. Uh, he said he could he could he's like that was a huge loss because i was never gonna get the money back for that ceiling but yeah that's that was amazing. it's one of the most famous cribs because it had a gold ceiling in there so uh i i uh, love the guy do you, do you I, have clips of that anywhere i'd love I, to watch I probably, that hear that i, I need to so find great. i need to find it. it was so many years ago it's an old radio interview he actually the, when that was going on he um and this is the type of thing that people would never know because um, it wasn't even publicized, really. Um, he was doing he was doing charity stuff for uh, trying to, uh, and he was not only giving money but also giving his time to uh, to the inner city in Memphis. He really was, and schools there, and uh, and he was, and this is you know post him being an insanely famous rapper, right? Like he was a little bit older at the time, but yeah, he would, he would come into town and just be doing stuff within the inner city, trying to help. And, uh, and that's how, that's how I met him that first time. And so, uh, look, I, I, he, he did play basketball. So why not the no limit soldiers? I'm with it. 
I, it would be great for me to say. I know, the, I know the Pelicans coach. I, Chris, I you've before. you've convinced me. I'm Master all in. P. I'm all in. Master he, P. You know what he said? <laughs> he said Zion would be happy. That's what he said. He said that's Zion. all that matters, Chris. Yes. That's all that matters. That's, hey, he might be the guy that could keep him. Yeah. <laughs> keep him there, right? Make it, make it happen. I mean, what David does it Griffin matter? You think that you think they won't play for? I mean, look, they'll play harder for him than they did for Stan Van. <laughs> <laughs> What does it matter? Let's make it you know happen. I mean? Huh? Let's Master make it happen. P. Yeah. Master P. That's who I want to get the New Orleans job. I am full, fully behind his candidacy. Can, can you imagine that, that Woj bomb? Oh, People my God. People are going to think he got hacked. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He, they would. Same, same, same guy that got Jay Williams. <laughs> 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 These guys are regular Julius, uh, uh, Julian Assange, or whatever they call. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> do it for tonight's show. This has been <laughs> it's been what? enough uh, goofiness. We're now in the witching hour, so we got to go to bed. Um, and thanks to Carlos for uh, filling in as producer once again, and uh, Kevin. I will talk to you. On Tuesday. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Chris. This is a fun one. <laughs> Have a fun weekend, everybody. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.